0: The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by By you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to to support support the show. But for now,
1: welcome welcome to to the The Legendarium.
2: I'm just saying like, as I'm envisioning Verity trying to form this dragon, all I can see is the front of a Chinese restaurant like, that's, that's the visual I'm fighting this whole time. Like. Okay.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode number 211. This is Assassin's Quest. It's Farseer book number three. And I am Craig Hanks, your lovely and talented and... Never mind, host... And over there, well, he's wittier than a ferret and is about as prone to try climbing into your pants. It's Kyle Lemon.
3: I'm just here so I don't get fined.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> so you don't lose your 15 bucks. People people who like sports will get that. Oh, okay. It's a right. sports
2: metaphor. Not a metaphor. <laughs>
1: Reference. Reference. <laughs> and if you combine one part Burridge, two parts Starling, and ten parts Whitby, it's Ryan Bruckman.
2: Worst Transformer ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so... Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. Before we get started, I'll just remind you, patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can go support the show. Also, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord, and uh, some other stuff. But Reddit, also um, thelegendarium.reddit.com. No, wait. No, that's the legendarium. No. Yeah, yeah. Thelegendarium.reddit.com. That's right. Thelegendarium.reddit.com is where you can join the conversation, and I hope you do so. It is largely, I'm sure, thank you to our wonderful reddit uh listeners that we are now proud award winners of we the, got stabby, the stabby the stabby award 2018 stabby so thanks guys uh anyway let's let's get into this because i know this is a uh, hotly anticipated episode uh we're gonna lose <laughs> dozens of
2: listeners over this
1: <laughs> i'm not so sure i'm not so sure so hang with us for a little while uh let us let us make our arguments and let us make our observations we might surprise you maybe we won't if you know us well enough by now i guess i don't know uh anyway so i so here's the thing
3: i like i like that we're
1: just
2: that just set everybody up for a huge disappointment i'm aiming it's to like, knock the bar low so that when they hear us say nice things they'll like it better
3: <laughs> it's kind of like you're about to break up with somebody and so you're doing all these things to like really hint at it to soften the blow i yeah. am
1: yeah.
2: Listeners, it's it's not you, it's it's us.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. Okay, so in book one, we came down really hard on book one and said hey, you we know, we were really disappointed in it, and here's why. And we listed things for twenty or thirty minutes on why we were disappointed with book one. Now we did have some nice things to say about it, and I I believe that a lot of people didn't wait to hear those, and that's fine, whatever. Uh, but book two, it was kind of reversed. Yeah, book two was all right. It it improved on a lot of the things that we disliked about book one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so we had a lot of, uh, you know, hate and love comments after both of those episodes from different people. Mm-hmm. And so now with book three, it's going to go one of two ways. And we're going to disappoint one group and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to appoint the, I don't know what the other version of disappoint is. We're, What's determining, the of-
2: we're determining whether or not they're going to call us stepdad or Carl. like. <laughs>
1: Wow, that's where did that come from? There's
2: <laughs> some really weird family things going on in this story. So that's oh, okay.
1: I, I, I was thinking that sounds like some pretty
2: weird family things going on for you. <laughs> I don't have any Carl's in my family, so not that you know of, apparently.
1: Anyway, so I finished this book earlier today. I, I bombed through most of this book just trying to finish it, and I did it. I did it like five or six hours ago, I finished it, and I, I sat down and I wrote my three paragraph synopsis of it. And I hit the period, I'm not even joking, I'm not exaggerating, I hit the period button and it was like that set off the little notification on Facebook in a different tab. And that was Ken messaging me and saying, hey, here's your synopsis for this week's episode. Well, thanks a pant load, Chet, for making me write all that. But uh, fine, I guess we have a Ken Johnson synopsis. Uh, let's, Let's do it. Let's listen in. Two books in now, and if we've learned
0: anything, it's that having a wolf as a friend is still pretty awesome. It's a dark time for the Republic. Fitz Chivalry Farseer has recovered from that whole being dead thing, which would be great for him if he didn't think he was a wolf. King Shrewd is still dead, Verity and Ketrikin still missing. He drives off Chade and Burritch, and even Nighteyes abandons him. Man, you just can't trust a wolf these days. So Fitz is left to wander the land alone and learn how to be a man again as the assassin undertakes his quest to revenge against King Regal. Unfortunately, no good plan is accomplished early in a book, so when his hasty attempt at regicide goes as expected, Fitz gets gone ASAP. He heads north toward Verity, who is actually alive and in hiding. Night Eyes returns, they meet some wit-bonded friends, and while we disappointingly don't see Chade the rest of the book, nothing makes a long... Long journey, more fun than the company of a horny minstrel and an old woman who knows way, way more about the wit and skill than she should. Oh, and we get glimpses of Birch making time with Fitz's girl and their baby. Good times for Fitz and his raging inner conflict. Following hundreds and hundreds of pages of walking, and hunting, and talk of walking and hunting, the Assassin's Travelogue finally gets us to Verity and the Elderlings, who are actually dragons, carved and brought to life through the powerful emotions of skill and wit users. Toss in a measure of bad guy blood, and boom, instant dragon army. Verity becomes a dragon, but not before he and Ketrickin can make a little replacement heir to their throne, if you know what I mean. And he and the rest of the Elderlings fly to the defense of the six duchies. They burn down the Red Raiders. They put Regal in his place because dragons are awesome in the end regal the weenie abdicates to the new heir tutored by ketrican patience and chade fitz retires from the assassin's life and he and night eyes wander the land like Cain from kung fu or bill bixby never to be seen again probably eh, that's enough for me back to the three most witless and skillless podcasters around and remember the best way to kill someone wit bonded
1: ferret all right now i know i'm showing ken's age here but who's bill bixby
2: <laughs> I don't know. You don't,
1: you don't know? You don't, nobody knows? Nope. All right, well, thanks, Ken. I'm sure that the uh, more mature audience members will understand your reference and laugh heartily. Anyway, but yeah, that's a pretty good synopsis. Ken's old. Ken,
2: Ken's <laughs> old. He was the original Hulk. Oh, really? Yeah, it looks like. Yeah, an actor who played the Hulk. Okay, well, there you go. No, um,
3: not the Incredible Hulk, just the original Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Back when it was black and white, it didn't have Technicolor. technicolor. Way more <laughs> incredible now. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> anyway, I, I think Ken did a pretty good job synopsisizing the book and uh, so we can go on from there. If I do my three-paragraph synopsis, maybe I'll just append it onto the end and you can have a little bonus audio or something. Anyway, uh, let's let's talk about this and Kyle, I'm going to get to you in just a moment but first I'm going to kick it to Ryan. Okay. Because, and I know I've alluded to this conversation in a previous episode, but uh, Ryan, you said to me specifically, to me, before we started reading this, because you had finished all three books before Kyle and I started, and you said, uh, Craig, you are going to be so frustrated by some of the decisions she makes, or something along those lines. This Mm -hmm. is not a direct quote, but it's something along those lines. And so I've been really interested to hear why and so i read and yes i got frustrated at a few points and i know we talked about that especially in book one but now that we're done i wanted to ask you why it is that you said that um and and i i understand that this we're running the risk of getting into negative stuff first um don't worry we have positives to say and and we do want to get to that but i've been burning with curiosity about this for so long that i need to ask you right away so what did you mean by that
2: Uh, mainly for me, I was thinking that it would be, you'd get frustrated with the way she resolves things or doesn't resolve things frequently and the hard right turns that sometimes she would take, like in a good story where there's a a build up to things. Um, like for example, the end of this, the elderlings are dragons. We have nothing that leads us up to that moment. All of a sudden the book is about dragons. Like spoiler alert. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I have a feeling that just. I just figured that the way that she would that she was deciding to try and I don't know if to call them twists or not or anything like that, but those things would not pay off well for you. um, In that, there's nothing. I don't. There was nothing in the book itself in terms of content or things like that that would I think would would have really frustrated you. But just the fact that where she decides to dedicate her time and the way that she decides to resolve things doesn't mesh very well to me with the things that we've done in the past that have that you've liked. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of figured you'd probably get frustrated with her writing style and and those those things. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think you even said especially in book 3. Mm-hmm. Um and I saw but I just remembered that just now, so I wasn't looking out for it. I would say yes, it's well established that book 1 frustrated me. Book 2, I there were a couple of moments. Was it in book 2 or was it in book 1 when he says that summer I killed 17 times for my king.
2: Book one, I believe.
1: Okay, well, that was frustrating. You know, things like that where I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it, you're it, throwing
2: away good and interesting content.
1: Right, right. Anyway, uh, but I, I think ultimately there were a couple of things like that in books two and three. Um, and we can talk about a big one a little bit later uh, around the ending. But for the most part, I don't think that it was those things that frustrated me. Uh, a couple of times but but maybe i'm wrong maybe as we talk about it it will come to light that that's exactly what frustrated me i don't know Mm -hmm. but let's speaking of hard right turns let's back up now that i've got my answer to that question and we can kind of keep that simmering on the back burner let's go back and talk about the things that we liked about this book in particular and the series as a whole um and i can start i i detect that, uh, you know, by the end of it, I figured that the central theme of this book is the idea of what makes us human. Well, that's a great question. Hey, why, you know, why not tackle that one, novelist? Good luck. Uh, but, I you know, I thought that she did pretty well at it by creating the wit magic mm-hmm. and having his companion be the wolf and uh, the conversations that the two of them would have constantly about what it means to be a wolf and what it means to be a man um i I think we even brought this up last time this idea of um animals you know okay we don't we can't see into the minds minds of animals but best we can tell an animal is all driven by instinct everything is in the here and now eat sleep mate hunt whatever you know it's what do you need today well let's go do that Um, and a, a human being is all about their memories their hopes for the future and that really, she, she hit that really hard in this book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was really appreciative of that. I, I quite enjoyed that. Ryan, do you want to riff on that or talk about something that you enjoyed?
2: No, that, actually, that is one of my notes as one of my favorite things to uh, explore in this story is because of their time together, um, and even when we see the other Wit uh, characters, we kind of get these side bayorn type characters couldn't <laughs> remember theoden remembered bayorn <laughs> nice <laughs> we uh, haven't
1: even read the hobbit yet
2: yeah so we're going you know we, we meet these other characters and we see how the animals and humans have affected each other and so we watch uh especially at the beginning of this book uh Fitz has taken on a lot of the characteristics of the wolf being more in the here and now being about the hunt now being wanting that versus when in the past it was always about i have a duty and a responsibility so that connection to uh, Night Eyes has really helped him overcome a weakness of his. But then you watch Night Eyes through the rest of the story. Fitz kind of drifts back to being human with a being a little bit better now. But Night Eyes is the one that actually starts to really change and note the coming of the future. Like, I can't just think in the here and now. I have to think about what's going on and why th- this isn't a good idea. Like you coming and jumping back into my body isn't a good idea. I don't want that anymore because I now, I now understand that there's more to life than the now. Um, and I loved, I loved that effect that each one had in terms of changing their characters because their relationship is probably the one that we get to spend the most time with and oh, understand sure. because they're both in each other's heads. In, in a
1: limited first-person narrative, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's the two people who live in each other's heads, people whatever characters yeah uh the the thing that i just remembered is that the end of this book and i'm talking about the bitter bitter end after all the resolutions and everything kind of the epilogue chapter is all about fitz and the wolf are kind of living alone in the woods and they've got this adopted kid who was dumped in their lap by starling and whatever but in the end of the book That's exactly what he's doing. He's living in the here and now. He doesn't seem to be concerning himself with anything. So, ultimately, did Fitz learn anything? I mean, he he must. I he he is certainly living as a man. And sorry, my nose is super stuffy today. And he's raising this kid. But uh, I guess I I I don't know. That's how I felt at the end of the book. Was like I would think that
2: Fitz is different. What you're saying there, like. Yes, he has learned and he has changed. The difference being that he no longer has a driving force to push him into the future. Like his drive to have revenge on Regal. Um, to find Molly. I mean, he doesn't have any of that now. And everything else in his past life has sort of created its own stasis. It, I mean, Molly's now with Burritch. Like, uh, Chade's doing his thing, being a counselor to Patience and... Like everything in his past life is dealing with itself; it doesn't need him anymore. So he only has to concern himself with the now. For because of where he's at, uh, shift that even a little bit, and he'll and he'll go back to being worried about the future again. I, I I don't see his character being so far gone. Right, right,
1: right. He's he's not the wolf from the first, you know, tenth of the book. Right. Or right. Something. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't want to go to you yet, Kyle. You're fine. I'm saving you. All right, uh, for a worthy moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, I do want to come to you after a second, but I, I want to say one more uh, fun thing. This is, this is not a uh, deep point by any means, but uh, there's a great moment. Uh, she has a great line when. Oh, let's see, what are we? most of the way through the book we're coming up on the end of the book here and Ketrikin has been out hunting with uh night eyes a few times at least i think that's who he's talking about and she's shooting wild boars and everything with her bow and uh, uh Fitz comes to night eyes and says uh, did you see how she stood and faced them down i demanded with pride a most excellent bitch Night eyes agreed, <laughs> <laughs> and that line is repeated a few times. A most excellent bitch, and I just thought, you know, that's good writing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's good writing. It's fantastic. I, I, I. Uh, there were a few of those moments where she kind of played around with, um, with the word bitch because mm-hmm. of night eyes, and I thought it was great. So anyway, I'll stop saying that now, and uh, and get it back to a family friendly show. And I'll ask Kyle So Kyle let's go back to the beginning of the book Do we have to? Yep Okay Book two ends Fitz dies Fitz comes back to life Book three starts And Fitz is now a wolf And Fitz is learning how to become a man again And then you decide That I don't care Uh (laughs) So so, <laughs> so I went to Kyle a few uh, I don't know 2 3 weeks ago and I said how's the book going and you said eh, I, I don't I don't know I'm not going to finish it. Yeah, I uh I made
3: the conscious choice to just pull the plug on this one. I actually got up to about where almost to where uh Fitz decides that the only way that he can be redeemed or whole or whatever is he He decides that he wants to kill regal right and then i'm like i don't care i'm not interested in this uh and i put it down i have no based on my my perception of the book this is not everybody else's and so i'm not saying that if you enjoy the book or if this is one of your favorites that you're wrong i'm not saying that at all i'm saying this was not for me Uh, but I decided that it was no longer worth my time. And that's knowing full well that I would have to come on the podcast and admit to that. (laughs) And I still decided I'd rather read something else. And so I put it down and I went back to Well of Ascension, which I, to be fair, also put down my first try to go through that book. I got completely uninterested in a few characters in that story. We won't go into it because that's not what this is about. It's completely un- un- uninterested and I put it down and, and, uh, I am of the belief that if you are not enjoying something, uh, what it, enjoyment can be a range of different things. So I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't interested in it. I wasn't blown away by any of their ability to like, we hear a lot of like, oh, but Robin Hobbit has, has such great prose and all this kind of stuff. I wasn't really blown away by any of that. And so it just utterly was not worth my time,
2: in my view. Have you started studying the KonMari method? (laughs) Is that what it is? Yes, exactly.
1: This did not bring Um, me joy.
3: No, because I've read and
1: finished several things that I didn't necessarily... Love. Love, either. But... So you found this... let, Let me just see if I can distill this. You found this, if not thoroughly distasteful than distasteful enough to chase you away from finishing it
3: yeah i guess that's fair i mean i I don't know that i don't want to say like distasteful because that's i feel like that's putting a negative on it but for me it was just not there was a lack of positive a lack of positive experience in any form okay and so any
1: form wow for me dang.
2: Um, that's harsh a poorly fitted sweater for you
3: <laughs> yeah I mean and again recognizing that it's, sure. it's I'm not the target audience this is not written for me I don't think yeah yeah and, and that's okay and perhaps maybe had I read it 15 years ago when I was in high school maybe I would connect better with some of these characters right but I there so for example in in even in well of ascension uh, I can connect with say but I did not connect with Vin at all and that was part of the reason why I put it down But at least there's a character in there that I'm interested in. I am interested in none of these characters.
2: Which I think might partially also be due to the first person narrative style Mm -hmm. of this. You don't get the chance to connect to other people very much because you have to do it through this lens. And
3: to be honest part of it is, we talked about this a little bit in past episodes, there are a lot of really interesting and intriguing ideas that are happening uh, around in this world, around in this, with a lot of different characters, but I haven't seen anything through reading book one and book two to make me feel confident that any of the things that I would be interested in would be paid off in the rest of this book. Sure. And so based off of that, I decided that I was going to just cut this out, cut this out, not spend, you know, three weeks of my time reading a 700 page book that I, I felt like I gave it the college try by reading book one and book two and, I feel like I'm an adult and I can make my own decisions, damn it, and I'm going to put this one down. So,
1: All right. Ryan, do you care to respond?
2: No, I... So, I've spent a lot of time in trying to understand more about this series because this is one of the first series that it really... That we have done that hasn't evoked a more positive response. Um, most of the stuff that we've read, I've really enjoyed. I can, you know, usually recommend with some caveats on a, on a few occasions... This one is one that I've I've had a different emotional connection to. Um, but so I don't blame, like, it's, I don't feel bad at all, like saying that, you know, it doesn't work, put it down, that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but I don't want that ill fit to be read as bad, bad, bad book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and
3: I'm not trying to champion that idea either, because I do think that a lot of, I mean, clearly there are thousands of people out there that have deemed this book their favorite. Their favorite. It's sure. great. And so... This book,
1: well, let's let's call great. it this series. Sure, th- um, this series. Because I will say that I would still, with book one, even having finished all three and kind of seeing what she was trying to build, um, I would take book one and blue pencil the crap out of that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I... And ultimately, like this is a two book series, mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. two so, two shorter books, yeah, and let me also say like, I have always been the one
3: to champion, oh, you gotta read it you gotta you gotta, you gotta read to finish the end. It to how mean how many times did I say that to you in our wheel of time podcast a lot s- series a lot several, but to that point, like if you get to book seven, eight or nine in Wheel of time, and you're just like, dude. I can't read a million and a half more words. Put it down. There, yeah. there are so many stories out there that you can find one that you'll connect with and that you'll enjoy. Yeah. If it's not okay. for you, put it
2: down. I find it interesting with this series because with most fantasy literature, I've found that you can get a general consensus like not everyone's going to love and not everyone's going to hate it, but you can get a consensus that generally people like Harry Potter generally people like Game of Thrones like Versus this one, I have a hard time pinning down the consensus because people love her writings as a whole, the right. Realm of the Elderlings series, but when you isolate the Farseer trilogy, I've got a lot of responses, like huge variety in what it is. People who love it just think it's the greatest thing ever. Other people who just said, I can't, I can't read this. This is garbage. Um, Other
1: people who like the Realm of the Elderlings as a whole, but then they're like, oh, Farseer's kind of the weak one."
2: This Whatever. one. This one's all over the place. It's... This is going to sound terrible. This is the Keanu Reeves book where you project onto yourself, onto, (laughs) onto him. What? Have you never heard that theory? No. Keanu Reeves is the greatest actor because you project onto his performance what you need to see.
1: Oh, I would say that about Nicolas Cage, but (laughs) maybe that's
2: a different thing. Uh, Okay. All right. But like, so for me to be like upfront and honest, where do I come down on this series here and things... Um, I come in the camp of it gradually gets better. I think that it the third book is the best of all of them. Oh, um, you think so? Yeah, it ramped okay. up. Like for me, that's where yeah I enjoyed the most of what I was reading. Um, and I I can't I won't wouldn't dissuade anyone if someone asked me about this series and said Hey, have you heard of this?" I'd be like, "Yeah, I've heard of this. I've read these ones here. Should I read it? Eh, maybe." Uh, I, what else is on your list? Maybe I don't know. Like this or, is good. or what have you liked in the past? Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the
3: key. You and I talked about this. Recommending Rothfuss to a coworker before, like, I wouldn't recommend that to most people, but there are certain people who like a certain type of story. That you say, okay, here you go, or we a certain type this. of writing. And
2: yeah, here's my soapbox. I'm going to get self righteous here for a minute, just because someone doesn't like this or doesn't understand it doesn't mean you get to point at them and say, go read young adult fiction then, because you clearly aren't capable of understanding this. And that's not just, that's not like stuff that was aimed at us, although we did get some of that. Like, just reading through other comments, people at Reddit and other terrible places on the internet, like... Hey,
1: Reddit is magisterial in our little corner.
2: Yes. (laughs) But frequently people took the attitude of, oh, then this, if you can't read this and enjoy this you don't deserve to be in the fantasy realm of high-end epic fiction and fantasy. Yeah, or, go,
1: go read your Harry Potters, or you even, plead.
3: Or even you didn't enjoy it because you didn't get it. You didn't understand it. And that's not necessarily true either. I think that you yeah. can absolutely understand what's going on. You can understand what the writer's going for and still not connect with it and not enjoy it. And I feel like that was my case because I I get what's going on here. It's just
1: not for me. We, we really and, need to get. Sorry, go on. Oh, I, was I thought just you were say, finished now.
3: No, the idea that, like, Hob brings up a lot of failures, and I think that that's a major theme throughout this trilogy or the 2.25 books that I read in the trilogy. Yeah. Uh, is that, you know, Fitz fails a lot, and that's very realistic. And I can get from a certain point of view why people would connect with that because it's real. But. It's not
2: for me. You know what sure, I mean? So sure. I understand it. I still don't enjoy it. I'm, I'm curious. There's, so this is actually to a point in the book.
1: Oh, thank you. I was just going to say, yes. we need to actually get back to this frigging book.
2: Yes, but um, I think it actually can parallel with readership of this a little bit. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed towards the end of this was the concept of the dragons, the stone dragons, um, A, having to be formed— Like that you had to carve, Verity had to carve his own dragon. Right. Um, But that in order to make it work, you had to commit entirely and give everything to it. You couldn't hold anything back. Otherwise, you ended up as Girl with Dragon. Great naming. Um, Dragon tattoo? No, it's called Girl 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 on a Dragon. Girl on a Dragon. Because she wouldn't give up her human form. And so she ended up locked, tormented in this statue as a woman riding a dragon. It's, it,
1: it's a whole thing. Don't worry about it.
2: Okay. But like, I, to me, I looked at that segment and went, okay, we've got something to talk about here because we can talk about that when you really feel strongly about something, you need to commit all the way or what happens when you don't commit all the way to something. And I feel like a little bit, um, some of the readership feels like you have to commit fully to loving everything on this or you, or will. you're going to end up as girl on a dragon, miserable, trying to... Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, Yes. Yes. And uh, so now I want to get back to the story. If Mm -hmm. you don't mind, I'm going to get out of the meta stuff and actually get back into the book um, and talk about those dragons because I was really loving that stuff too. Mm -hmm. Um, Verity is... Sacrificing himself, and so is you know whatever the kettle or whatever name was kettle, yeah. Uh, they're sacrificing themselves to bring this dragon to life, and it's all it's all very um, it's all very Dalinar, uh, or was it no? It doesn't matter. Uh, it's all very interesting stuff, and then uh, it it works. The dragon comes to life, and Verity the dragon flies off, and he goes to save the day, and then the story just goes on and Fitz is attacked by all of Prince Regal's men and the coteries and all that. And then he figures out how to bring the other dragons to life. And all he had to do was rub some blood on them, use some wit magic Mm -hmm. and they come to life. And I couldn't help but think, Hey, wait a minute. You just undercut that entire sacrifice that Verity just made. That was it. Wasn't in vain, but it was. Uh, it was very. It was watered down quite a bit because it turned out there was this other thing you could do all along, and you could have just brought all the other dragons to life and had them go and do their thing, and everything. You would didn't have been need to fine. lose
2: Verity because you had.
1: Yeah, it kind of. Yeah, it just undercuts the the value of his sacrifice, which I was really appreciative of. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I when I mentioned earlier that yes, there were some frustrating moments. Yeah, most of them did revolve around this ending. Yeah. Um, and that was one of those moments. Anyway, let's so let's let's back it up. Um we'll get back to the ending. Let's talk about the beginning of the book. I I'm with Ken. There was a lot of travel logging and uh and the the book was overstuffed in a few places. Uh but I did think that it had some good moments even up front. Um, when he's coming back to learning how to be a man after being a wolf for so long, when he gets to whatever the trade Tradeford, uh, where he's going to try to kill Prince Regal, him sneaking through the palace, that was a great scene. So there there are these great moments. Ryan, what did you think of that kind of first half of the book? Were you enjoying it, or did you just kind of feel like you had to get through it?
2: No, I, I enjoy when a character is driven to do something. I like those moments. So, when, um, once we get out of, once we house train Fitz again, (laughs) sure. And he gets driven to, uh, kill Regal. Aside from the fact that I hate that he has to drive everyone away to do it because I don't think it's necessary, I don't understand that mentality very well. Why he feels he has to drive everyone away, Burich and Shade and everything to do what he wants to do. Um, other than that, like I was, I was all in on him going and doing something. Yep. Uh, when he failed on it, and ended up going, okay, well now I'm going to go do this instead. I was like, to the end of completing your original goal, like I, I that can, I'm just looking. Okay, are are you giving up on this or are you going? Did you just get ADHD distracted <laughs> into <laughs> sure, another quest? Sure. Oh look, you know, shiny skill road. I'm going to follow this. Right. Um, it was, she does give him that driving uh, come to me
1: from Verity. Yeah. Uh, you know, a third of the way through the book. And so that becomes the driver at a certain point. Um, I'm with you. I appreciated when he had something to do uh, through so much of the first couple of books. He was simply an observer. And I would actually say that about him in this book, too, uh, in in large measure, but not entirely. Less so, I guess, than the first two books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah when she gives him something to do it suddenly becomes a lot more interesting um, but you did touch on something you said why 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 did you have to push all these people away and i was i was slogging through the most of the first half of this book and then i noticed when he uh, he finds starling and kettle and then they hook up with kettrick and
2: we get our dnd troop together yeah
1: you get the you get the band together and suddenly it's so much more pleasurable to read at that point you have more characters doing things together and having conversations together man i'm super stuffed up today uh having all these conversations and i realized that the maybe the first half of the book was such a slog because it's just him and nighteyes mm-hmm. yeah they encounter a few other people a few times but they're just it's just a constant conversation between the two of them or monologue in his own mind and it really was grating after a while so i guess that that was my biggest complaint with part one what yeah yeah probably my biggest complaint with part one but once he once he left tradeford and was like actually on his quest
2: i was good with it Mm -hmm. i was all right yeah i think it's a pretty it's pretty safe to say that Generally, as readers, we prefer to be involved in the relationships in a story and seeing how that's affected versus just getting a monologue for a long period of time. So, yes, when he when he gets to that point and is driven, all of a sudden, those thoughts are no longer just kind of loose thoughts and monologues and soliloquies. Yeah. You know, even though Hamlet's soliloquies are the best known things, they're not the most interesting part of that story. Um and I think that's kind of what we get in the first part. But yeah, as soon as we have in relationships to invest in and stakes to lose in those relationships, you know, I think it's so much more enjoyable to, to go through. And I think actually Robin Hobb does a good job of in a very short time period connecting that troop, that group together of Ketrickin, uh, um, Ketrickin Fitz, Kettle, um, Starling. Starling, like that it's really not that much of this series where this group is together, even in the book, you know, last, last half last or, so. or so, but I was even more interested in the connection between Kettle and Fitz and Starling and Fitz. Um, then I was, in most of his relationships in the previous stories. Uh, and I think it's just because they were sharing, sharing the risk of moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I loved, and that might be why I think the third book is better than the others, um, is because the characters introduced in this one are more of a bigger variety. Uh, and they're
1: better counterpoints
2: to fits. Yes. Um, I think I talked about it in the second episode, it might have been the first, but where we, for the most part, we're only dealing with royalty and the court and things like that in those books. And now we have someone, we have characters who are a different class right right and
1: different different D &D classes yes
2: yeah and so we can explore new things that we don't get to with the other ones even if it is only for half a book and for a good portion of the walking Fitz is in a dazed confused state on the road because the road does that to people with the skill yeah uh
1: well before we continue i will say we're, we're coming up on i don't know 35 40 minutes into the recording i sense that we could go for a little while um, and so this may end up being a long recording. I, I hope everybody's all right with that. We, we're always getting complaints about you need to make longer episodes. So here you go. Uh, it, the reason I say that is because we have a ton of Reddit comments to get to. Yeah. And I plan to get to those. Uh, but I do kind of want to follow the thread of this, this conversation. So, um, So we like it when all the characters are together. We like a lot of the events that are happening in this book. Uh, compared to the first two books, uh, but I, I have to say at the at the end of the day, at the end of the book, I guess it felt really bloated to me, um, and I was wondering if that was are uh, you drinking a foamy latte? <laughs>
4: uh, Zoolander,
1: never mind. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's do what we, I'm here for to you, be can't, real. you can't do that Because now I'm playing the Don't you entire... know you get farty and bloated With the Bomi Lante <laughs> I'm, I'm playing the entire movie In my head now And I can't <laughs> hold a thought Anymore What um, the hell was I saying I'm not it sure It you were. Oh yeah it felt, it felt By the end of the book It felt bloated felt bloated Because when I look back um, Especially the first half of the book But even the second half when the, when the band is together And they're going down That long road And it'll just go on For another Three pages About him and night eyes hunting and then catching rabbits and then disemboweling rabbits and then eating the guts of rabbits and then cleaning the rabbits and then cooking the rabbits and then eating the rabbits mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that like okay how many times are we going to need to do this um but you're you're giving me a kind of a quizzical look ryan do you disagree i had that- something in my eyes what that was but <laughs> what it, how do you feel but- about the idea that this book was simply too long uh yes, for the story it was telling.
2: I agree with the concept. Like when I think of this series, back of uh, this series as a whole, all three books, it's not that long of a story that I'm thinking of. Like if I bounce plot points, uh-huh, uh-huh. like it's not that long in comparison to what I use, what we usually do with epic fantasy. Um, uh, but it's all a single point of view. Yes,
1: and we go. Let's go back to Harry Potter and and say that when people talk about Harry Potter. And you talk about books four and five and six to an extent. Um, what do people always say? Well, well, you know, yeah, it got pretty long winded there, didn't
2: it? Thanks, teen, Harry Potter. It just went on and on and on. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is one of those things I 100% understand that if you change this, it would drastically alter this series. Yeah. And I'm curious if the other books she's written follow a first person narrative or not um or if she decided to shift into something else. Right. Um I don't know. I haven't read any of the others. Um I'm not jumping into them immediately after this. But I feel like this story, if you stepped it back out of the first person narrative and let other brushes paint this picture, you could have some very very nice things happening and have it be a much more enjoyable and more condensed piece because in the travel log you can have Starling's perspective or Ketrickin's perspective of watching... I would have loved Ketrickin's perspective on a lot of things. 100%. Yeah. Like, of watching Fitz walk off into the woods and start to, you know, phase out instead of getting uh, his point of view of getting kind of dazed and confused. Like, any, any other character's point of view in this would help to paint this picture very nicely. Yeah. I think it's a... I do think... I 100% think that this is a beautiful story as a whole like there's some really good stuff going here with this story but that's because i can look at the thing in retrospect and piece to get piece it all together i couldn't do that very well in the story itself. <laughs>
1: sure no totally it's uh it's a bit like aquaman which just came <laughs> out um and uh
2: we still have to have our battle royale we we will
1: we will have a discord argument ryan and i about uh <laughs> about aquaman but no i my thing right now about aquaman which came out a month or so ago is that it is aging much better in my mind than it was than it felt in the theater mm-hmm. it was agony to sit through i hated it uh, but then when i look back i'm like oh no there were some fun moments oh yeah that was kind of cool um you know oh yeah jason momo was a lot of fun but i but i know if i tried to sit down and watch it again uh, anyway so that's this book was uh, a, a similar way for me or i guess i just finished it but so it's all really fresh on my mind, but I can see how that would be a thing, and mm-hmm. it is. Looking back on one and two, where I'm like, "Oh yeah, that those are sweet relationships. Oh, that is um, that is a great plot point. Um, that was a that was a well written passage this in hurts, retrospect.
2: Yeah, and, and this hurts that this didn't work out the way it's supposed to. Like I, I have a chance to allow my emotional invest investment to have a release. Yeah, yeah. You don't get that in there. In there, most of the time you're just left to mire in it. Yeah. And when you finish it all up and look back, you go, "Yeah, it's the right decision." I think it's weird as hell that Burritch and Molly are together, but, but it's the but right sure. decision. Yeah, yeah. Like I it makes it. some sense. Yeah.
1: And I, I let me uh, caveat and just say, uh, Aquaman was torture. This was not. I, I yeah. don't mean to say that. It's just a similar kind of thing. Um, if, if I were to change anything in this book and like any plot point Mm -hmm. here's what it would be Fitz succeeds in killing regal a third of the way through the book he gets to tradeford he sneaks through and he so in in the real version of the book he fails miserably because he has to fail at everything all the time Mm -hmm. only only other characters are allowed to succeed at anything um, and so he fails at killing Regal and, uh, Regal chases them down and he's kind of, he's the antagonist for the the rest of the book here. Let me, let me pitch my, like if I, if I'm her editor in the nineties and I'm like, all right, here, here's what you might consider doing. He can, he succeeds in killing Regal and he gets away. Um, uh, yeah, Verity is pissed. And he is doing, he does the same thing. He does the, come to me, come to me. So you still have that driver afterwards. uh, But he does succeed in killing Regal. And Regal's death is all very dramatic and forceful and cathartic. But because this is Fitz's story. So he succeeds at that. But what does that do? It plunges the nation into chaos. And there's a succession crisis and nobody knows what to do. Fitz can't take the reins because now he has Verity's "Come to Me" call, uh, driving him to the mountains, um, and so he he can't take the reins. Uh, nobody else is there to do it. Lady Patience, maybe, but she's so busy at Buckkeep, whatever. And so the nation descends into chaos. The red ships are uh, just like they were anyway. There now, uh, there's nothing to stop them. There's no organized resistance, and they are tearing the countryside apart and that's your ticking time bomb is can you get to the mountains can you find verity can you solve this crisis before the red ship raiders have just taken out everything mm-hmm. right anyway so what do you think of my pitch
3: seems interesting another I, seed of intrigue uh it's it's almost i like it actually because fits even when Fitz succeeds he fails Yep. so like it's a it's an yep. even massive failure for the whole country um,
1: I guess yeah. i the the reason I say this is uh, because and and we're getting into a reddit thing now I, I need to find who it was that asked I, I I'm sorry I don't have the name off the top of my head um, somebody asked how we liked uh, regal as an antagonist and uh, and I, I didn't care for him. I didn't think he was interesting or menacing enough. Um and so I would have liked to have seen him killed earlier. And that's how that's how I would have gone about doing it and justifying it.
2: Convoluted boy. Convoluted boy. Thank you convoluted boy. Regal good villain or no? I I agree. Um he is he's a low-grade villain in my opinion because he is not driven by any sense of rightness he's driven by a sense of entitlement and that's not as easy to get behind as is a villain who believes what they're doing will be better or is the right thing to do he feels that he it's it's one of those things and they actually talk about it and i don't remember if it's in this book or if it's in the second book where you get the perspective of regal's mother um and her being forced kind of she always felt that she should be more of the of a ruler and right. that her son deserved better than what he was getting and so he's got this spoiled child mentality of this and I don't I don't care about a spoiled child villain sure. like that
1: and and as the third of three sons I must say I was wildly offended by her uh, depiction of third sons <laughs> wildly offended
2: Yes, it's it's incredibly wrong. Um, <laughs> the the things there there's a lot about Regal that just devalues him as a villain because a like his his general uh, drive drive isn't strong enough to make me want to f- care about him or feel like what if he wins what's going to happen the exact same thing as if he loses right now like right. He's just bringing everything back to his own home, his own capital, and he's going to sit there and throw parties until he bankrupts the nation and everything. Like, I I have no sympathy for this guy. I have no reason to think he's a good ruler. I have nothing there at all. So no, he's not a good villain. Why he works in this story is because Fitz is not really a hero, I guess. Like He's our main character. So... This is kind of like a B level hero fighting a B level villain. Okay. Type thing. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. That, that sounds like That's harsh. That that it sounds harsher than I mean it to be. Okay. <laughs> but it's because that's this isn't the hero going out to fight the battle for truth and justice in whatever way you believe in. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh and the six duchies way. Yeah. This is Verity like, or uh fits just being bitter and doing kind sure. of following verity a bit so i don't know i did not care for regal as a villain
1: okay good enough i i was more intrigued by will and then it turned out that will yeah. was we regal the whole time and i was like oh that's kind of disappointing yeah <laughs> uh which well which you know brings up the rejoinder that well it was regal the whole time so he is a good villain um and, and it's I, like putting him in a I giant would...
2: mech suit or something like that yeah it was regal but he was using a super powered kid sure yeah i okay. think like
1: it's yeah. <clears throat> all right so what do you say we chase down some uh, reddit comments and uh, and discuss those there were a ton of good comments uh thank you all very much for submitting these um I, I haven't done pre-discussion threads for a while, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry about that. I I got out of the habit, uh, but I'm glad I remembered to do it here. And thank you very much for diving in, everybody. I won't get to all these, and I apologize. Uh, C C B C B E W Golf C B U Golf says, oh yeah yeah, um could be trimmed down. I think we've talked about the book length enough. Uh, he says book three was nearly double the length of book one. Yowza uh okay let's talk
2: there's one in here that fits along with the point we were just talking about regal good villain bat or not yeah, yeah is uh how do we feel about regals and the oh, end okay. that he got there um i'm gonna put it on the same as Burich and molly a fitting end but not one that i wanted i
1: so it wasn't satisfying to you but it made sense to you
2: yeah i would have loved to have seen verity you know dragon verity chomp him in half Oh sure. Something like that would have been great. If we're
1: if we're going there with the dragons.
2: And this I I had a hard time with the visuals of the dragons.
1: Are we are we going there? Are we doing dragons now? Or should we save them? What do you mean? I oh. mean, should we talk about the ending at the I'm end? I'm
2: just saying, like, as I'm envisioning Verity trying to form this dragon, all I can see is the front of a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the visual I'm fighting this whole time. Like, okay trying to and they talk about dragons with bull horns and everything else here and i'm like i'm just envisioning this giant Trois. garden full of discarded chinese restaurant dragons <laughs> like you spill a little bit of you know swipe some blood on them and get them, and them out of here <laughs> <laughs> and they go i don't know oh man sorry that's the whole reason I, that I came to that was just because i wanted i wanted Verdi to get revenge on regal okay finally and
1: I thought you were going to go into the whole like dragon battle and everything. No, no, no. So, okay. Uh, all right. Don Quixote 81 says, how do you guys feel about the idea that Fitz is an unreliable narrator, that he glosses over and misinterprets certain events because he genuinely misunderstood, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the idea of Fitz as an unreliable narrator, uh, I don't know. I it, it, The way that this question is phrased makes me think that the idea is we're uh, we're reading Fitz's account that he wrote later you know talks in the in the kind of epilogue chapter about how much he's writing stuff down and sending it off to Chade for records or whatever um, and so it are we reading those records well we have the chapter headings and those fit a lot better as what he's writing down but the but the Chapters themselves don't feel like recollections right. so much as real time narrative. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I buy into the unreliable narrator thing because it kind of, I, I never got the sense that it wasn't like, oh, what you see is what you get.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't sit on the same level. Uh, we've talked about the unreliable narrator quite a bit when we were in um, Rothfuss's work, Name of the Wind sure. and stuff, about both being unreliable. And I've already kind of touched on this a bit. Yes, I do think that he's an unreliable narrator um, because we're dealing with that first-person view and we could get a more true view of what's happening if we were able to get to other characters' perspectives in that. Do I think that what we're reading is false? or any, like? No, you brought up uh, something you said earlier was uh, when Starling talks to him about you've done all these great things. Like
1: oh yeah, before we turn on the microphone, yeah. I was talking about this.
2: Like you've done all these great things, and and he's like, no, what are you talking about? I've not done, it. and then she lists it off, and it's like, okay, yeah, there have been all, like part of the reason why I think he's a little unreliable as a narrator is the fact that he's not even registering what he's doing <laughs> as viable. He's, he's a freaking lump.
1: <laughs> he is a lump who just watches things happen around him.
2: Like and. That could be said of a lot of things in history, like
3: <laughs> sure. But I want to chime on chime in on this a little bit. Okay, oh, uh, hey, hey guys, Kyle. I'm still here, uh, trying to sit back because you know didn't read it. Oh, uh, didn't read it all. Didn't read it all. I read book one and two and I don't know 150 pages of this one. Uh, but the idea of an un- unreliable narrator, uh, I actually think he's an unreliable character, and in that sense, I mean the reason I put this down is because I can't rely on Fitz to succeed at anything.
1: Do you you need him to succeed or just be interesting while failing? Either way. I mean,
3: I think that's fair, Uh, but he's definitely unreliable from a character reader relationship standpoint. It's a similar standpoint for unreliable narrator, but it's not that I don't believe what is, what he's seeing or saying or doing. It's that I know that I can't count on him to see through some, or to see something through that I want to happen. Uh, and in that sense, him being unreliable is very hard to want to read more about him. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. trying, yeah, I'm trying to balance that idea out because I, I like that. But, and I'm completely biased with my experience of this. Mm-hmm. So
2: take it for what it's worth. But that's, yeah. I'm trying to think about, though, like, Fitz is a character if you if I take this character pull him out of his current story and drop him into any event that I want to write or whatever do you know enough about him as a character to know what he's going to do in that event
1: yeah and you don't have to at the beginning of the series but by right. the end yeah. you should. yeah Um. good question that's a that's a great way to think about it and I guess I don't I
3: I know enough that he'll fail <laughs> at whatever it is, hence being unreliable. Sure. I mean, and that's how he's written, and that's how he's intended to be, and take that for what it is. But yeah, yeah, I think you could pick him up, put him in anything, and the idea is he's a failure, and he's going to be
2: isolated and lonely in whatever he does. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that by now, you should be able to look at him in any character he like and at least know what their inclination, their drive is, where they're headed towards. What's my motivation? Yeah. <laughs> There's a deep cut. Yeah. Anyone who uh, recognizes that from the Bounty Hunter video game, that was great. <laughs> um, but by this point, we should be able to say, Fitz is driven by this. And I'm still having a little bit of a difficult time pinning down what drives Fitz, because everything that drives him, he loses. I mean, this was this was uh, the conversation learned- we had in book one, right? What is his, what
3: drives him? What is his purpose? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he ended up having Molly, uh, in this book he
2: briefly had trying to kill Regal. You're literally driven by the fact that the magic in the system that you have in here, someone sent a message to you that says, come to me and you can't not do it. Like you've been, it's compulsion, not drive. And I have a hard time now that Verity's gone, like, what does what does Fitz do at the end of this series when he's no longer driven by anything? He goes off into the becomes a hermit and the he, I, I think I said earlier he becomes the Obi Wan Kenobi with a wolf. Sure, he just goes off into the the woods. O- Obi Wolf Kenobi. Yes, I I I don't know what to do with that character now. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, and maybe nothing. But let's move on to a different one because there are interesting characters. Yes. Uh, and he he has his interesting moments, but they are unreliable. Uh, but purin fan uh asks is the fool a man or woman and does it matter so there's some question in the last half of this book whether the fool is a man or a woman and i don't know that it i I don't know that it matters all that much i got the impression he was a gay man yeah
2: that's uh, i'm pretty sure that it's (laughs) while they're walking um, because it, this becomes an issue because Starling Starling wants is, to know
1: is into uh, the fool,
2: yeah, and she's trying to figure out why the fool isn't interested into her in her as well, like, right? Um, and he makes it pretty clear that he's a. I feel like he makes it pretty clear he's a man, like That's, yeah. He was, makes some comments about I can show you my parts, like he can do that sort of thing, right? Um, and
1: but and doesn't he plan to kiss on? Fitz at the yeah. very end of the book so i yeah i just kind of chalked it up to oh okay he's gay 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 yeah. guy the whole time yeah. and i don't i couldn't tell if he was in love with Fitz or if he's yeah yes okay i mean i knew that he was i don't know if obsessed is the right word but but uh highly interested in him
2: yes i i would say i guess if your term is, does he love Fitz? Yes, absolutely. D- is he obsessed with Fitz and wants to build a relationship with Fitz? No, I don't yeah, think I, so. Yeah, I think I, he realizes what their relationship is and what it is that his role will be in Fitz's life.
1: Okay. Um, I, did you like The Fool? Was he interesting?
2: Loved The Fool starting in book two. Um, more And a lot more in book three. Um, because... And this is funny because I actually read this uh, a little while ago in a Robin Hobb's interview. The Fool originally in her outline only had one line. He was a one-line character that was just kind of set to cause something to go. And they started, she started writing him more and more because he became interesting. And I'm like, yes. Yes. That's, that is absolutely the case in the, with this. Um, the Fool to me, he's, not, sidekick isn't the right word. That's not the word I want to use. But the Fitz and the Fool is one of the better pairings in the series. Night Eyes is the best pairing between with sure. Fitz. The Fool is next in terms of that. And then i put Birch after The Fool.
1: I actually quite enjoyed Starling and Fitz together. Yep. Uh that was a good match. Not not like a romantic match necessarily, but just a good character match.
2: Yeah. Um, they were friends with benefits so, by the end of the book anyway. <laughs>
1: sure. But no, there were some fruitful discussions that they had. There was one, oh, if you don't mind giving me a moment to look it up. Uh,
2: it's good thing you know we do this live, so. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they have a discussion after he finally relents and uh, has sex with her. She uh, She's trying to convince him of it, and he says, What good are feelings? I didn't know I had the question until I spoke it aloud. Her fingers poised over the strings. She furrowed her brow at me. I don't think there's an answer to that question. Um, and they kind of go on to have this this discussion about you know feelings and truth, and it, it kind of gets into that whole man versus beast thing and what does it mean to actually be a man and and have these feelings and worry about feelings and mm-hmm. and all that. So I I really like their stuff. But let's move on to um, Refrigerator which is a fantastic Reddit handle. <laughs> um, but this this is a monstrous comment, just huge amounts of comment, and so I won't get to all of those, but I did love uh, all of that. So Refrigerator, thank you very much for throwing that on there. But I want to go to uh, point number five that they brought up. For a trilogy that has assassin in every title, I initially came to the series expecting a less noble protagonist and a lot more assassinating What kind of expectations did you have coming in? Did those change? How do you feel about the result? Um, uh, Anyway, I guess maybe it says maybe I should have expected less in assassinating considering it's called the Farseer trilogy and not the Assassin trilogy. Well, I don't know. I guess I kind of share that. This series is definitely not what I was expecting Mm -hmm. uh, based on that title. Yeah. So I I can understand that 100%. And
3: and you know it is called the Farsec trilogy but all three books are assassins something.
1: Right. So so yeah it, it's yeah titles titles are one thing. I mean yeah I, as I understand it authors do not always have total control over titles mm-hmm. and uh and it could be that the publisher simply thought that having assassin in the uh in the title would sell more copies. Um, and so, I, so this is I, I guess my point is just we can talk about this, but I don't want to lay this at the feet of Robin Hobb necessarily because she may have been overridden. I don't know the story behind it.
2: Yeah, I could see easily being because in the first book, yeah, there's definitely assassin-style discussion and like he's trained as an assassin. He goes on an assassin's mission to kill the brother of Ketrikin, Like that, it, it happens in that book. After that point. Never again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, we started with Assassin was in the title. We should probably run with that because we can't run with Apprentice for the rest of this series. Sure. So. I,
3: I will say that my expectations were not set as much by the title of the trilogy or the books themselves as much as it was the people uh, that were referring this book to us sure, and saying, oh, it's so great and all these things. And so my expectations were high from those recommendations and yeah. not from... What was actually put okay. on page?
1: All right. Uh, well, before I leave refrigerator, uh, we've got to talk about the first point uh, that they brought up. Now that the trilogy is over, what do you think about a trilogy being written around a catalyst and not the hero? And this is something that we talked about quite a bit before the mics actually went on. Ooh. So let's hear what you guys have to say about the idea of a catalyst. Uh, well, I guess let's let's just answer the uh the question that is being begged here is fitz the hero uh this idea of the the catalyst and the hero being separated and so this person is uh saying that that they are and that fits is not the hero of the story he's just the catalyst is that the case or is he the hero
3: uh, i don't i wouldn't see him as your typical hero if you wanted to call him that uh sure I think, I mean, he's definitely the catalyst. He's the reason that things keep happening. And I think I like the idea on paper of saying, oh, my main protagonist or my main hero doesn't have to be the catalyst to all these events. What if I told that story about the person that causes things? Uh, I think it goes back to our point of view discussion that we talked about a little earlier about. That's fine to tell the story from an instigator's point of view, but if they're not really acting upon or doing anything about the events that they're initiating in any way that's satisfying for, for the reader, it makes it a tough read. Sure. And so, what you don't get is jumping from the catalyst. And then jumping to the hero to get any payoff. So there's very little payoff when you separate the two. Um, I think that the idea could work if you opened it up to more points of view.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I buy that. So, and this might, this will fly a little bit in the face of something I said previously, but I just had an epiphany and I'm changing my mind a little bit. I think Fitz isn't heroic. But he is the hero, um, He's and it's
1: certainly the protagonist.
2: Obviously. And the main reason I say that is, like, I decided, like, okay, let me run Fitz's story through the basic hero's journey. Does it fit? Like, does his story fit? Um, he has this call to adventure. Like, okay, yes, he does. It's yeah, the king telling be to be Kingsman or whatever, like, be you know, become my assassin. He's called to do something. All right. He meets a mentor in Chade, um, goes through trials and failures, grows new skill, death and rebirth. Like he literally in this case, literally, literally actually goes through that. Um, That causes a revelation. He changes, atones and then returns changed. The end of that cycle is where I'm having the hardest time connecting fits to it. But I feel like it's there. Like I if I thought about it long enough, I could get fits through the hero's journey circle yeah and say that works um that's why i'm saying i can't really say following a catalyst and not the hero i think that he we're following and part of the reason he's the catalyst in this book is because it's first person narrative yeah you we don't really know he might have not have caused a lot of those things but we don't know because we only get his perspective It
1: appears that he does i yeah this separation of the hero the catalyst uh kind of makes me think um We're used to... uh, I mean, let's go back to Wheel of Time. Taviran and this idea that all of our our main characters in the Wheel of Time are Taviran and they're making things happen around them. They are literally in the same way. They are catalysts for the story. Uh, But they also... They resist that to some extent in the story uh, or they use it to their advantage or whatever. But the point is that in the Wheel of Time... In this with this idea of a catalyst they're constantly trying to accomplish something they're constantly doing things they're they're taking initiative and so even as they're causing changes around them they're reacting to those changes uh they're they're trying to forge ahead to accomplish a goal or whatever and so maybe that's uh, that's the frustration or the just the the thing that this person is noticing with the separation of the hero and the catalyst Maybe they're just noticing that Fitz is kind of a, he's, he's a lump. He doesn't, he, he just kind of watches things happen around him and occasionally he'll react to them. But does that make sense? Like, it just seems like he's letting things happen, uh, without taking much heroic initiative. And so even though he goes on that heroic journey that you're talking about, Ryan, and that makes a ton of sense to me, ultimately, uh, a lot of that stuff feels, um,
2: more Uh, due to circumstance than intent yeah
1: yeah exactly and there and i think maybe the reason that people like book three more than books one and two is because of that because he actually is taking some initiative he's trying to go kill regal he's trying to reach verity in the in the mountains etc and so maybe that's why book three is better anyway maybe we should move on uh okay (laughs) jafu why was this one so much better than the first two well there you go maybe that's why jafu uh let's see cody lloyd tried but couldn't force myself through the first one should i stick it out well you're probably not listening to this i don't know maybe you are uh i think we already covered that yeah maybe maybe. if
3: if you there's lots of stuff out there yeah if you really want to based off of listening to this and, and hearing other people's recommendations Go for it, but if
2: you're not feeling it, put it down. I I think I I, agree. I think Jafu says it in there too, or someone made a comment about it somewhere. That I do like Kyle's recommendation of maybe starting in book two, like see how that goes. Do that. Try it. It's an experiment. Read it if you feel totally lost and didn't go back, and you can always start from the beginning. But I think that might be a really good way if you'd like to be to see if this in this Farseer trilogy is worth the investment. I might say if you want to get a better idea of Robin Hobb's writing, like I don't know any of the other series, but maybe, maybe go try Live Ship Raiders or something like that. Like, try try one of the other series and see if maybe you get a different feel from it. I don't know if you need to know this right for those series or not. Like, um, could be blasphemy. I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm a big proponent of education through negative experiences. Uh, if necessary uh like i i I guess let me put it a different way you don't you don't have to love something to find value in it uh and so (laughs) oh sorry uh so when it comes to like movies somebody's like oh should i go watch um i i won't try to oh i'll just stick with aquaman i guess for this episode like should i watch aquaman and i'm like well You'll either enjoy it and get some entertainment value out of it, or like me, you'll see all the things that other movies do right. That this one like the the choices that they make and why why this movie falls flat. And like you can learn something from that. It's not just about like, oh, every book I read needs to be a ten. Like it's okay to does that make sense? Yes. And so
2: you can And you may you may actually find that as you break down your breakdown you may learn more about yourself and the way you process things
1: <laughs> oh i want to murder you in the face we have a stabby we have a stabby that's true it's not it hasn't come yet though so uh yeah it, oh i guess so the question is should i should i read it i guess uh,
2: what's the worst that could happen you don't like it's it. <laughs> a great way to recommend a book. What's the worst that could happen?
1: <laughs> no, the worst thing that could happen is that you don't like the book. No, I I think to your point about like
3: learning something from, I wouldn't say a negative experience. Again, like I said, there just wasn't really much positive for me. Sure. Uh, something that I have learned, I've always been really guilty. I felt really guilty if I didn't finish a book, but this has taught me that it's okay to not vibe with something that sure. everybody is recommending to you like it's okay to be like not my jam i'm gonna put it down and i
2: don't feel obligated to finish it and Some, that's okay sometimes we make this sound like going to the dentist and coming out with like no cavities or anything like that like <laughs> yeah you, you, it was not a pleasant experience positive but it's not a bad thing either like, yeah it's a really weird way to put that
1: <laughs> uh okay so fingolfin uh 154 says do you think the lack of major battle scenes was a factor in how you felt about this book or series uh i i don't feel like it was much of a factor for me that's not something that i require i enjoy a good battle scene but uh uh, but I, i i didn't feel a huge lack from that i don't
3: recall any major battle scenes in king killer really Oh, that's true. Um, Yeah. I mean, there are probably several books out there that aren't, there aren't like major grand It's it's not about battle.
1: It's about conflict. And as long as you have some decent conflict to resolve, then
2: you're fine. Mm -hmm. And I will, I'll go on record and say, yes, 100% it is a factor as to part of my enjoyment of the book that they're not in there. Not be, again, not because I need them there, uh, but they're hinted at. They tend to be those moments are often either an emotional resolution or a major conflict point. The fact that they aren't there doesn't mean that those don't exist here, but they're a lot. It's a lot easier to find them when they're tagged that with those. Um, I I would like to see Fitz use some of his assassins training and actually showcase some capability. And putting him in a situation like that, which we do at the end of this book. Somewhat. When, yeah. When he gets, has to deal with the coterie. Like, when he is put in those situations, those are really good moments. Like, I would be okay with a few more of those in this series. It would not hurt this series to have them. Does it have to have it? No. But it wouldn't hurt it.
1: What you're asking for isn't, it sounds to me like it's not so much I need more battles or fight scenes. It's I want more setup payoff, setup payoff. Yes.
2: Right. And a few of those can have someone getting stabbed. I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, Okay. Maybe even
3: assassinated.
1: (laughs) Um, Julian Prattley wants to know what we think of Starling.
2: I like Starling.
1: I like Starling. I don't know that I have a ton to say other than that she was a breath of fresh air. Not even that I would want to hang out with her but just that she was, she she had a personality and that was refreshing.
2: Well, and I need to make sure I'm in the right series and right stuff here. But one of the things, if I remember right, that I liked most about Starling was her relationship with the fool and the fact that the oh, fool yeah. didn't trust the bard because bards tell and remember everything. Oh, yeah. And so they had that conflict the whole time um, of distrust that eventually they get over because of, Um, Having to work together um, on the quest. But yeah, I agree. Breath of fresh air, good character. And not just, it's not just her relationship with Fitz that matters with the fool. Um, I feel the same way about Kettle, actually. I really liked Kettle, but I was really irritated. Like, we all know now that you know more than you've let on. It's very apparent. Fitz, suck it up and demand answers.
1: Yep 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 that's that's the sort of thing i'm talking about he just sits there and lets everybody else make decisions and everything else happen around him but absolutely that was uh that was the most frustrating thing about this book for me even more so than the long-winded oh man (laughs) my n's and m's are really struggling today the long-windedness of the the traveling and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, that was the most frustrating was that, again, going back to our Watt discussions, we talked a lot about um, how in the Wheel of Time, if people would just communicate, just say some words to each other, you'll solve all your problems. And that was kind of a similar thing. like Just like you say, Ryan, Fitz, go talk to them. Just say, hey, listen, we're not taking another step until you tell me what is going on.
2: Yeah, and and, here's the, the thing. and, then, and then you don't have to succeed either the first couple times. Yeah. it's it's called a try-fail cycle. Go through it in trying to find that information, and yes, it's mildly there, more by accident on Fitz's part than anything else.
1: And how many times were were we given the answer, and he was too, and he's too dumb to see it. That's not a great way to endear us to our main character. Like when Molly comes up to him and she's like, I found this, there's another person, someone I can give my whole life to. And then blah, blah, blah. it's like, yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, she's pregnant and you're too dumb to realize that. Uh, The other one was when, uh, oh, it was all about like, Verity is going to have to give himself to the dragon. Yeah, he's going to become a dragon. And you're too dumb to realize it. So they're like, I've given you the answers already. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he goes into the woods and he's like, I don't remember him giving me an answer. What are you I'm, talking I want a better answer. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's going to turn it into He gave me the answer. So it's like, pick pick one. Either he's smart enough to figure out what they're talking about or he demands the answers more clearly. Pick yeah. one. Anyway, yeah, it's so frustrating.
2: Progress. You yep. can show progress.
1: So. We're we're well past our hour mark. We're like one fifteen or something like that. So let's start thinking about wrapping this up. I want to go back to Refrigerator and uh use this as our final thought, unless anybody else has anything burning to bring up. Ryan, you look like you do. So we'll come back to Refrigerator in just a minute.
2: A burning, burning is probably not the right phrase to kind of at Oh, we're talking about bonus.
1: Are we going to talk about bonus sex? <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we going to talk about Verity's bonus yes. sex? Yes
2: we are we are 100 we are not skipping over this plot point okay so this tell, book, tell
1: us what happens for those if it's been a little while since you read it
2: so okay just to i Verity, just i just want to hear you describe it really okay that's all this is right there's level looking,
1: three on boobs <laughs> did you guys hear that Last week Todd went level 3 on boobs in the Dresden files. It was hilarious. Oh, well, it was actually it was slightly moving and slightly hilarious.
2: I'll have to go listen to that. You should. That's great. <laughs> um so because Verity is working on his dragon, um he dips his hands into a skill river which coats them in this kind of silver material that allows him to work on on the dragon but he can't touch anything. Oh, hey, the by the
1: way, what is that? Shut up. Doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs>
2: So Verity's around really, he can't touch anything. He can't do anything. And now Ketrakin is there. And for because of her love for him, she's feeling very uh, neglected and, and turned away and everything. There's, there's a whole great connection and issue with their relationship that we'd love to explore. We don't, really. But um, Verity knows that in the next day, it's time to become the dragon. It's time to do that. And so what does he do? What does he and, he and Fitz do? Oh, the other thing, Ketrickin had a stillborn. Oh, like, right. They sure. lost their child. So there's no heir to the throne currently. Um, So they said, we, if we can make an heir to the throne, that'd be great. But you can't, I can't touch you. You can't touch me. Otherwise, you'll turn into stone. Basically, hey, Fitz, can I borrow your junk for an hour or so? And... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I cannot believe that phrase just passed your lips. <laughs> he goes... Just wash it before you bring it back.
2: (laughs) (sighs) So Verity Verity and Ketrick can go so that they can have Prince Dutiful, which is the prince's name uh, that they have. And... Of course, all the other princes are going to call him Prince Duty in school. (laughs) (laughs) So that's basically like the short of it is that... uh, Verity steps into Fitz's body so that they can have a kid, because they can't do it inside of uh, his Verity's own. body. Yeah, yeah. Um, weird, touching. Like it's nice. Like oh, he you know they're able to have a kid. They're able to it's definitely. And weird it still touching. has <laughs> still
1: still still has Farseer blood.
2: Yeah, it, yeah. Everything. It. I, I understand why it is. It's just weird. It, it's a little weird to process when you really think about it and their book is loaded with weird things like that, which makes me like question just a little bit of Robin Hobb and say, like, why do you feel like you need to make each of these romantic relationships do something that's just a little bit weird?
1: Off, a little off. Like, Can I tell you... Sorry, finish, and then I'll tell you my thing.
2: Just like I said earlier, Burich and Molly is a good fit, especially because we watched their story through... Fitz Spying on them um, You know uh, Questing out to Wash sure, a little bit sure. Kind of creepily Voyeuristic type thing You know I loved their story Like that's a good Love story Coming together It's it's real It's it's the way things Really would work out It's great It's just weird Because Burritch was Fitz's father figure Burritch knows Fitz is alive No he doesn't Not anymore Sorry yeah,
1: He believes Fitz is dead He went back to the cabin Saw a body Thought it That's was right Fitz.
2: Okay Birch is a so father figure, ex-wife, kind of awkward. We get a portion of the book where Night Night Eyes is out trying to have a, you know find a mate, things like that. Like everyone around Fitz is having a weird relationship, and then there's Starling who just wants to have non-committal sex with him. Like I just want that release. Like there are some odd relationships, a whole gambit out there that you can look into, and I just thought it was odd that they. For having so little focus on other portions that those got treatments. Okay. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't have any wisdom on that to share. Not even,
2: and we've already touched on the fool sexuality and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's interesting you decided that this is a plot point that deserves some discussion, Uh but other things get put to the side. What, why does this, why do you feel that these were the choices that needed to be made? Yeah. I'd love to know.
1: I don't know. Um, the weirdest thing for me was uh, was I guess a storytelling decision where uh, I'm sorry I'm back to uh, borrow your junk to, uh, that that uh, <laughs> Please
2: never say that phrase again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh hey I forgot. Um, no, uh, I'm back to that whole thing with Verity um, inhabiting Fitz for one last night with his wife. Uh, but what leads up to it? let's not forget what leads up to it. Verity is trying to complete the dragon. Now he's got Kettle working on it, Kestrel working on it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both chipping away at this dragon and then it's time to give themselves over and then and he says, it's not going to be enough. Yes. It's not enough. I need he has you. to include her. I need you too. No, it's, it, it's not going to, the two of them are not going to be enough and he yeah. says, Fitz, I, like, I need you too. Uh, so implying that Fitz is going to have to join in on the dragon awakening ceremony and all that, and he's gonna have to die along with the two of
2: them. I didn't think that was the case. Uh this this could be a totally like uh, Yeah, just I,
1: I maybe I misread it, but what I read-Cause read I remember was, him like
2: Fitz wanting to do that and him hard stopping, like, you have given enough, you cannot.
1: But he says but he says like, no, I i eventually Verity says, Yep, looks like I am going to need to take you as well. Are you still willing? Yep, I'm willing. Um okay, I'm going to take your life. And so he did, and like thus ends the chapter or whatever. Uh and so the idea is he's going to join them in the dragon thing. Well, and then Verity without telling him what this all means switches bodies with him. Like I I guess what's what's weird to me is that it was a it was an odd little like bait-and-switch moment where he says, I'm going to need your life as well to wake the dragon. He steals his body, does it with his wife, switches the bodies back, and then there's no mention of that idea that, like, oh, I, I need more. Was it, is it just that he needs that extra emotion from that one last night with his so, wife?
2: Now that you say it, now that you describe it that way, I actually, I'm, I remember it a little bit clearer now, and we could be angering some readers right now a whole lot. Yeah, that's fine. That you
1: can correct us on Reddit. We're,
2: we'll be happy to have it. Um, knowing that Fitz would give and wanted to give everything, the only way to get what he needed, um, because I think he needed Ketrickin, uh because Ketriken had become a part of him, even though their relationship we don't see a whole lot, uh-huh. it was still a big part that he couldn't not give to the dragon um, in order to make it work, and he needed that connection to Ketrickin. Um But obviously he couldn't do that. He couldn't build that. And so he promises Fitz what he wants... And pulls the bait and switch, never actually intending to pull him into the dragon. Like, just using it, like you said, as a bait and switch. Okay. Um, and then once he gets what he needs um, in that connection with Ketrakin to finish the dragon, then he moves on. Like, I, it's the most dishonest thing Verity does in the series, I think.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay. Well, who knows? Uh, I'll have to go back and read it someday. But that really brings me to my final thought. Uh, the final thought for all of us, and this goes back to Refrigerator. Uh, last question from Refrigerator was: Were you happy enough to get, to continue on with more Hob? So, Kyle, I'm gonna go ahead and kick it to you first because I think your answer is probably the most obvious. Probably not. Okay. Uh,
3: I think to Ryan's point earlier there might be other trilogies out there that are completely different and maybe they're great. I have no reason to pick those up yet. Yeah. So maybe at some point I'll get down the line and somebody will recommend it and I'll be ready to try it out again and, and hopefully come to Hobbes writing with a understanding that it's different from what my expectations were. Initially, sure, and maybe I'll be able to sink into that a little bit better. Yeah, uh, nothing in the near or foreseeable future that I can think
1: of. So, yeah. to get you back into it, yeah, okay. I, you know, I would love to hear people's thoughts on Reddit or elsewhere. If similar to your somebody's point about start with book two, mm-hmm. um, just start there, and hey, you know, book one is a wash, uh, you kind of get most of it from this, the synopsis, anyway. Um, Similar to that, can you just start with the Tawny Man trilogy or the, the Life Ship Traders? Can you just do those? Or do you have to have this foundation to mm-hmm. understand the characters going forward? I don't know. So uh, somebody sound off on that on Reddit. Anyway, Ryan, answer the question if you would. Were you happy enough to continue
2: on with more Hob? Not immediately, but I the end of this series gave me enough to say there might be more good down the road. And people's response that the realm of the otherlings as a whole is great leads me to believe that it might be worth ex- kind of ex- uh, exploring, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, and doing it, but I'm not going to do it immediately. Um, there's not just for the podcast reasons, but even if I were just from here on, yeah, yeah. I, there are other things I would step into first uh, to, to discover. But it is on my radar to come back and see, is this series a one-off or... Um, in terms of my like the way that we the way that I feel about it and the rest of it's great and maybe it kind of builds and and improves uh-huh. by going further. Um, I kind of unofficially scout a little bit in books for the podcast a little bit, trying to read ahead and you uh-huh. know, things like let I us just, know what's worth. You know, I just diving into finished North mythol Norse my- Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman like doing those other things and so i'm kind of thinking that down the road maybe when i'm we're in the middle of a series and i'm a few books ahead maybe i jump into life ship raiders or whatever and just yep. say okay it's it's there but mm-hmm. it's when i'm comfortably ahead of wherever we need to be
1: okay uh you know this uh happens more often than people give me credit for uh and i know that from the survey results <laughs> <laughs> uh but <laughs> but i'm going to actually agree with ryan 100 percent there um uh, yeah, I could. Uh, I have a ton of frustrations that have been aired thoroughly over these three episodes, uh, and I hold to those. I I am not prepared to take any of them back. I would. I'm prepared to say that still, that book one is not a good book. Uh, that book two was uh, much much better, and that three was uh, I'd probably say about on the level of book two. Uh, and I and I enjoyed them quite a bit. I still had my frustrations with two and three, and I would have uh, preferred that things some things be done differently. But um, but ultimately, I uh, when I got to the end, when I turned that last page and it was over, uh, I still had that pang of regret that the story was over and that I was done with these characters. Um, and that tells me that there is something there mm-hmm. um, that she she was effective enough that when I got to the end of it, it wasn't just, it wasn't like a sigh of relief, like, ugh, finally, ugh, I'm done. I never have to read Robin Hobb again. That is not how I felt. And so, one day, uh, yeah, I could see myself coming back to it, but, like you said, not in the near, or like you said, Kyle, not in the near future, Uh, I won't say not in the foreseeable future, because I can foresee mm-hmm. a time coming back to it. So, I don't know, Does that is that a wishy-washy enough answer for you?
2: I'm trying to remember probably what probably par with the rest of us. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what book it was. It had the phrase about you don't appreciate or you don't uh, whatever pushing a rock uphill. Like when you get to the top, you don't appreciate it. It's not until. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember. That sounds like a book two phrase. No, it's not in this series. It's in oh, a different okay. series. Um, I'll have to see if I can find it. I'll it's a it great, great quote, Ryan. yeah it's it really is uh it's (laughs) something about that you don't appreciate the
1: the work work it takes to get it to the top until you get to push it down the other side of the hill
2: yeah it's it's not at the top that you when you take the break it's when it's over like that sort of thing i don't know i'll find
1: it it won't matter show notes yeah there's something maybe uh let's pretend we do those (laughs) uh okay well gosh it's been an hour and a half now This is one of our longest episodes to date. It's not quite Words of Radiance territory, but uh, still one of our longer episodes. So thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Hopefully we covered it enough. Um, I know it it took us a little while to get into the discussion of the book, but I feel like we had a lot to say about uh, the series and the fandom. So I'm I'm glad we got to some of that earlier in the episode as well. So uh, again, thanks for listening. Make sure you hit us up on social media. Make sure you have joined us at... uh, thelegendarium.reddit.com to join the conversation there will be a post episode discussion there as well as the pre-episode discussion so you can let us know what you thought of uh of our take on these books i'm sure it will all be glowing reviews of our opinions no doubt in my mind Mm -hmm. Uh, we've provided
2: clarity to a (laughs) or balance to a very (laughs) (laughs) off group (laughs) so uh
1: yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, and Facebook and Reddit and, uh, and Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else where fine podcasts are spoken of. Discord. Discord. Oh, and uh, so I'll, I'll plug a couple of other things real quick. If you've hung with us this long, it's because uh, you care.
2: Or your phone fell in the crack between
1: your seats. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, head to iTunes. Make sure you have left a review. Uh, at least give us the five stars uh,
2: but leave us five stars and a review if you like that would be fantastic
1: we'd love to hear from you
2: or at least match your review to your stars it drives craig crazy when you say crap about us and then give us two stars (laughs) that's
1: true that's true if you're gonna if you're just gonna talk crap you just give us one star that's all i ask uh or give us five stars and talk crap i guess i'd accept that as well Mm -hmm. so uh no yeah submit your reviews on itunes they are much appreciated and they do help people find us believe it or not um and the other thing i was going to say oh yeah there's a survey out if you're listening to this two years from now nobody cares it's already closed uh if you are caught up with us and you're listening now then uh check out the survey it's pinned i think it's pinned if it's not, it should be. It's on Reddit, it's on Twitter, it's all this all the stuff.
2: It should be closing soon.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is uh, It might be open for another week or so, but uh, we are going to close it soon. So if you want to have your say on what you like and dislike and what you'd like to see coming up on the Legendary, you can go do that there. Um, I'll put another link out and just alert people that that's closing soon. So you'll have one more chance. Anyway, uh, the last or yeah the last thing i'll say is with that survey i think ryan and i ought to do a little bonus episode sometime responding what was the comment that we got so where you
2: borrow each other's junk
1: (laughs) (laughs) no what was the tarong comment that we got
2: oh someone asked if the findings of the survey would be shared publicly or if like the red rod tarong it was only for internal use
1: (laughs) which is a fantastic Mm line um yeah, it's mostly for internal use, but I think we can. Uh, I think we can respond to a few things. Yes, there's and some speaking- fun stuff. So that'll be. I think that'll be a Patreon exclusive, at least at first, um, and then maybe we'll post it elsewhere later.
2: And speaking of Wheel of Time, our next thing that's coming up, New Spring.
1: New Spring, um, so yes, coming up next week is another Discworld book. So one more Terry Pratchett book with a special guest. That'll be me and Ryan and a special guest. And then a week after that, we do New Springs. So two weeks from now. Uh, boy, I'm really excited to get back to Watt. Can you tell by the fact that I brought it up like four times today? Um, I'm excited. So looking forward to that. And then after that, we're getting to the Night Angel Trilogy by Brent Weeks. And the blue team is doing Dune. So you can look forward to all of those. I think that'll do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you on the next episode. Not recording that was the single worst decision I've ever made. Oh, man. All I need is a soundbite of Ryan saying, can I borrow your penis? (laughs) Well, now I have one of me saying it, I guess.